Yo, I'm tired of shit, man. I'm tired of it. Alright, yo, tell me how you feel. Yo, son, check the fly shit, son. What's up, cousin? What you, how you doing? Yo, baby, check it, man. I got this new podcast idea. For real, man. Fuck all this 24 episodes about weird-ass movie shit, man. No doubt, no doubt. My man got it out of state for 15. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, fuck all of this podcast shit. You know, like, we gotta move, God. We gotta move. We gotta migrate. We gotta get the fuck out of Cincinnati, bounce, man, and start fucking with bigger and better shit. No more motherfucking podcasts about weird-ass Japanese movies. You know what I'm saying? When you waiting, you know what I mean? You know, it's a pot of gold right here. You know, this is it. This is glory, you know what I'm saying? So, yo, the first thing we gotta do, man, you know, with this cream when we get it, because, you know, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta build, because I'm not trying to be just sitting on some motherfucking 200,000 and acting like I'm just a podcaster all my life. I got bigger and better plans, son. You know, you know what I'm saying? We gotta move on, man. And you know, you know I be fucking with anybody, man, son. So as long as the love and trust is there, we gonna grow, God. We gonna grow. You know what I'm saying? We gonna grow like a plant. Let's not think like we gonna be stagnating, man. Let's keep moving ahead, man. Keep our head up, man. Take care of our families, man. And let's build a new mutual aberration society, man. Hello, um, welcome back to MAS, um, today's episode, I am recording, uh, live from Houston, Texas, um, came out here for the week, um, and I have been trying to stay out of the heat, uh, cause it's hot as fuck out here, um, it's literally been over 100 degrees pretty much every day. We came, me and my girlfriend came down here for the week during a uh, heat wave. Uh, so, yeah, I'm live in Houston. It's hotter than a bitch. Um, I w- was planning on doing an episode while being out here. I uh, had brought all of my recording stuff, you know, my XLR cable, my mic, uh, all the stuff I needed. Uh, but and then, of course... Uh, I needed like one or two cords uh, to actually hook everything up to do any recording with, you know, my audio gear. Uh, I left those behind in Ohio. So uh, luckily, I had also brought along my Tascam. So I was like, fuck it, we're using the Tascam. So let me step back inside. Uh, into our Airbnb um, to get a little bit more of a cleaner sound, hopefully. Um, But anyhow, yeah, I'm in Houston, um, and I wanted to talk about I am a Virgo. You know, you're a big motherfucker. All the wear and tear that you're putting on this house, I mean, just leaning on the walls, you're putting holes in them. And I got to fix this shit myself. Because I don't want nobody to see your big ass. The world is not ready yet. I have to get out of here. People are going to try to use you. Use is ready, big man. He prophesized you. Well, I'm a Virgo. And Virgos love adventure. I am a Virgo, which is a... Uh, 
new Amazon Prime series uh, created by Boots Riley, um, who I'm, I've always been a, uh, well, always, <laughs> I've been a fan of Boots Riley for, uh, since, um, I'm sorry to bother you, um, I was aware of him a little bit, because I remember him being part of uh, uh, the coup, the rap group that he was uh, part of, and I think I remember him being on, you know, he would go on shows and, uh, like, politically incorrect back when uh, that was a thing before, you know, it became real time. Uh, horrible show. Don't don't watch it. Uh, Bill Maher is a neolib, uh, smug, dumb person. Uh, smart ideas are dumb person's idea of a smart person. Um, and apparently I uh, can't talk. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I wanted to talk about uh, I am a Virgo uh, because, well, to be honest, uh, I haven't had a lot of time to sit down and watch anything. I think I, I watched like uh, The Bodyguard uh, on the plane to to Houston, uh, which I, 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 my options were that or like, you know. They had other movies that I just like. I'm not watching any of these new movies. John Wick Four was there, but I'm like, there's no way I'm about to sit through three hours. It's longer than the plane plane ride. And honestly, you know, I know I have friends that like like John Wick Four, um, but you know, I, I can't. I just I can't sit through it to get to the the action parts. So I was just like, yeah, I'm I'm not I'm I'm not about to do this. And for those who are like, it's all action. I'm like, no, actually, I turned it on briefly because I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll watch part of this. And then it started with this whole scene with uh, Lawrence Fishburne and uh, talking and then Keanu Reeves was like punching a fucking, I don't know, a post or something. And it, it was just like, I couldn't do it. Like, it was like, this is just not for me. If it's for you, cool. Um, it's just not for me. Like, um, um, and I love straight up action, but if I'm going to watch a straight up action, I'll go watch, you know, John Woo's The Killer again. I'll go watch, you know, Hard Boiled. Um, which is another John Woo movie. Uh, I'll watch all kinds. There's, there's all kinds of you know shit I'll watch. Uh, but yeah, that's why I didn't watch uh, John Wick Four in the plane, and I ended up watching a shittier movie, probably uh, The Bodyguard, which is pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would say it didn't hold up, but I didn't have a high opinion of it back when I did see it many many years ago. So you know, it's, it's probably even worse. I mean, honestly, though, I, the, there is an assassination attempt on Whitney Houston at, at the Oscars, which is fucking insane. Um, so insane that I'm like, you know what, like, this makes the movie worth watching because it's, it's, it's stupid. Like, the, the whole idea of, <laughs> of like, trying to assassinate uh, someone at the Oscars is absurd on its face. But then you see how the guy did it, who the character uh, uh, who attempted the assassination was, it just made no sense. Uh, yeah. So shout out to, uh, I think it's Mick Jackson, no relation. I think that's the director of the bodyguard. And I think Larry Kasdan wrote the script. I don't know, uh, what y'all were thinking. Um, but it felt like a movie that would come out now just in terms of like the ridiculousness of, of the plot. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, I am a Virgo. Like I said, I watched, uh, that, that movie, the bodyguard, uh, on the plane, but then since I've been here, I've been trying to work on uh, the script that I've been currently working on for the past few months, and uh, also, you know, spend some time with 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 my uh, with my my partner. And uh, yes, I said my partner because she is my partner. Want to fight? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is funny when people say that. And how common is? Uh, become to refer to, you know, your significant other as your partner. Um, but, you know, she's legit my partner. Shout out to her. Um, I love you if you're listening. Um, but, nah. Um, and, yeah, you know, just seeing, you know, going around Texas, seeing the sights. But I did have uh, time, you know, to catch I Am a Virgo. I think there's only seven episodes. And I'm specifically going to talk about episodes one and two because uh, I didn't finish because, like I said, I've been very busy. Uh, being out here in Houston with doing other things. So, but I was like, you know what? I got to do, first of all, you know, it's, it's, it's an episode. It's got to come out. You know, that's just part of the deal. You drop a podcast, 
got to put it out. Um, so I was like hell bent on doing an episode. And as I was, uh, I think it was the first or second night um, being here, it was the end of the night. We were laying down, turned on the TV just to watch something. And I said, ooh, I'm a Virgo. I seen he was up there. And I was like, okay, I've been looking forward to this. And like I said, uh, I've been a fan of Boots Riley since Sorry to Bother You. Um, and then just in general, like, uh, you know, Stude's a uh, card-carrying communist, literally. Um, and it's reflective in the sort of the art that he makes. And it's, it's pretty cool. Um, not to turn this into some sort of, like, you know, communist podcast or anything like that. Uh Secret. Oh, you've been listening to one the whole time. <laughs> uh, I'm semi-serious. <laughs> semi-serious. For those who know me, they know how serious I am about that. Uh, but no, like, um, I always appreciate his perspective because you really don't have, like, people who are a little bit more radical in terms of their political ideology making things um, in Hollywood at all. Um, those people tend to get uh, comp- uh, pretty much uh, blackballed or... I don't even know if black balls. I mean, even though literally they did have the blacklist, which Hollywood uh, was uh, basically, it was a witch hunt for actual communists back in the day, which people tend to forget. So, like, yeah, Hollywood literally does do that. They have a history of literally doing that. Um, so, yeah, um, but but in today's Hollywood, it's more like, uh, you know, if you don't sort of fall in line with the sort of uh, kind of... Uh, I don't know, status quo, establishment, the rural viewpoints about things, and you're probably not going to get a lot of stuff uh, going. I mean, there are people that do. I mean, uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, Craig Mazin, I think he he's a Republican, right? Or a conservative of some kind, I believe, right? Um, and he continues to work. I mean, I, I don't really know why he continues to work, but that's another, (laughs) that's another, uh, that's another, uh, conversation, uh, to be had another day. Uh, let's just say I'm Craig Mason, uh, his stuff, not my bag, not my, not my cup of tea. It's not my cup of tea. Uh, but yeah, uh, so immediately I'm going to be interested because like I said, sorry to bother you to me is a great, was a great movie. Um, one of the better movies uh, to come out uh, that got uh, some buzz, you know, but ultimately, like most movies that come out now, I feel like in the last, you know, decade or so, tend to get this buzz around them. And then the buzz is like just hype when you watch it. And you ultimately, maybe the buzz affects you going in the first time you see it. But once it wears off and you return back to the movie, you're like, oh, yeah, this movie really wasn't that good. You know, or it just wasn't, it didn't meet the standard. You know, like, I feel like, I feel like marketing and hype can really distort um, how people view, you know, shows and film and and art in general. So, yeah. uh, But anyhow, Boots Riley is a very interesting uh, artist. in, in, in different mediums, be it music and movies, and, and in this case, television. Um, and you know me, I don't like TV, so anytime I do an episode about a TV series, it's like, that show, it kind of, that's kind of gives you uh, a clue that uh, I really think something is uh, of worth or of merit if I'm doing it, and it, I'm doing an episode on it, and it happens to be TV. So yeah, I watched the uh, first two episodes, and uh, for those who don't know uh, what I Am a Virgo is about, I don't, I don't know, I'm not one of those weird people that logs TV uh, on Letterboxd, uh, but if you do, shame on you, don't, don't log television on Letterboxd, uh, if, I, if, if I've ever done that, which I don't know, I want to say, maybe I, maybe I did with uh, the Refn show, again, another, another, uh, MAS episode I did about a, t- a TV series. Uh, shout out to uh, Low Res, who was my guest. You know what? That's been a Patreon uh, bonus episode for patrons only, but I might just go ahead and unlock that episode because I really do think that was a dope conversation that me and Low Res had about uh, about um, Refn and, and 
not only the Netflix, his Netflix show, but just, uh, you know, his filmography in general. So I might do that. I might have to, I might have to release, uh, that for, you know, on, on the, on the free feed for everybody else to check out. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, you know, you know, if you know me, if you listen to this podcast, you know, my feelings about TV in general. So, you know, the fact that I'm doing an episode on a show is, in my opinion, a good enough reason for for people to uh, at least give it a shot. <laughs> if I if I do say so myself, uh, but even though I don't log TV shows typically on Letterbox, I will go to Letterbox because the show itself has been logged by some friends of mine on Letterbox who I follow, and Letterbox has it up there, so I'm able to read the synopsis. So it reads like this: a coming a, a coming of age story that's 13 feet tall, a coming of age joyride about Cootie, a 13 foot tall young black man in Oakland, California, having grown up hidden away. Cootie soon experiences the beauty and contradictions the world of the world for the first time. He forms friendships, finds love, navigates awkward situations, and encounters his idol, a real-life superhero named the Hero. Okay, yes. So, yes, this is a show about a 13-foot-tall black man, um, a young black teen, actually, I think. Or, or is he 20, 20, 20, 20 or 21, I believe? He's, he's, he's a young black man. Okay, um, and uh, he's played by uh, Jarrell Jerome, and uh, just based on that synopsis, you should probably be like, well, what? This is about what? But it's a very, much like Sorry to Bother You, it's, it, it has, I mean, it has that, that kind of magical realism kind of, you know, uh, element of, of, of the show. Like, I like, I like that. That's kind of my... That's kind of my shit. Like I love when uh, I love when you're inserted into this reality where things are different. Like it's presented as the real world, but then sort of things that are magical or don't exist and sort of our reality just pop up and become part of the world just very matter-of-factly. And then the people in that reality is just sort of watching them deal with it. Uh, in in ways that are just like how you would assume people may or may not deal with, you know, having giants or a literal superhero <laughs> in the streets flying around. Um, name the hero, which, uh, by the way, Walt Walton Goggins plays the hero. Um, he's this guy. I think his name is actually Jay Whittle, and he's uh, again we see him initially on I think Cootie the Cootie character. He's uh, well, let me let me just start. Let me just go ahead and start from the beginning, since I'm only going to be talking about episodes one and two, because um, like I said, I haven't completed the show yet, but I'm definitely going to. Um, but I definitely felt like, yo, let's go ahead and talk about these, because these first two episodes are really, really good. Um, really had me uh, kind of invested in. By the end of episode two, I knew I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to finish this. Um, I, I want to see where this is going to go and this there's not a lot of stuff out here right now doing what this is doing um uh so kind of starts out with this scene of cootie's birth and it's uh his mother which we find out isn't actually his biological mother but you know um his mother the care the woman who plays his mother um she uh is holding and i think it's her name is a what is the character's name? La Francine, right? Um, and I think her the the actress is uh, Carmen Ajogo, uh, and you've seen Carmen Ajogo in, in a lot of stuff. I think you know some of the more notable movies that she was in. Uh, let me think. Uh, she was in Wow, she, I, Eddie Murphy, the Eddie Murphy movie Metro, <laughs> which I don't know if that's to me that's notable, but that's I think that's one of the first movies I ever saw her in. Uh, was Metro, um, but she's been in a lot of things, Selma, uh, which I don't necessarily know if that's notable, and I mean, maybe to some people it is, I'm not going to talk about Selma, or I'm, gonna, I'm not going to, not going to, um, if I'm, if I ever talk about Selma, it will be to talk actually about, like, what happened in Selma, and to talk about Martin Luther King, uh, and his legacy, um, even though I feel like that's, pro- again, that's a different podcast, it's a different, uh, conversation, um, 
uh, I'm not a big, uh, let's just say this, I'm not the biggest Ava DuVernay fan. So, yeah, uh, but she was in Selma. That's a movie that people know about. Uh, she was also in the Ridley, Scott, uh, Ridley Scott's uh, Alien Covenant movie as well. Um, like I said, she's been in a lot of movies. Like, you, you see her, I think she was in one of the, Pur- I think she was in Purge Anarchy. Yeah, yeah. You, you've seen her in many different things, but uh, she's, she's holding uh, a giant baby like it's a newborn baby covered in you know like you know kind of blood from from birth the birth had just occurred and but the baby is like the size of i don't know like a giant you know one of those oversized stuffed uh stuffed dolls that you would get at like a a amusement park a theme park like king's island Uh, i know that's a very Cincinnati reference, but you know, hey, what are you gonna do? That's that's where I'm from. That's where I live. So, <laughs> uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I think most theme parks have sort of games and stuff where you can get giant sized stuffed uh, stuffed toys and stuffed animals. Um, but yeah, she's holding this massive baby, uh, and immediately you're like, oh, this show is about to use all sorts of trickery to pull off. Uh, this, uh, which is one of the immediate things that I loved about it is all of the uses of like, uh, like the, the show, like uses like force, force perspective trickery to make Gerald Jerome 13 feet tall. And it's just the ways that they go about it are so like cool because it's not CG, you know what I mean? So even, even this, even in this opening where we see him, as a as a baby and then and then it flashes to him as a toddler and then to a little bit of an older child to like a younger kid all the way up till he's like a teenager we watch him grow and there's this series of scenes of him growing inside of a house and being too big for the home that he's he's literally outgrowing the home he's falling and breaking shit uh his father who's played by mike epps by the way in a in a in, in a great role, I think Mike Epps is underrated in general because he gets the label of being kind of goofy and silly. You know, he's he's Day Day from fucking the Friday movies and and obviously and all the other things that Mike Epps has done comedically uh, since you know the breakout role. Uh, but people don't know really about his start when he started in the uh, uh, the movie Strays, the Vin Diesel Sundance movie. Um, that was the movie that sort of got Vin Diesel um, sort of in the game, so to speak. Uh, but Mike Epps was in that movie before he was in anything of note. Um, and in that movie, he kind of displayed a lot of things that you didn't, you don't typically get to see from him now. And I felt, I feel like in this show, uh, Boots kind of uses Mike Epps in a way that I don't see, think. Uh, he's used by other directors or, you know, and, and film or TV. Like, like yes, he allows Mike Epps to be Mike Epps and be funny, but he's also a character that, like, is kind of like just, there's there's more to him. He's not just cracking a joke. He's not just comic relief. He's believable as Cootie's father, um, who, again, like I said, it's not his biological father. I think he's actually, um, I believe... Cootie's biological mother is Mike Epps' sister, so that would technically make him his uncle, right? If I'm not mistaken. So his his aunt and uncle are pretty much the ones raising raising Cootie, and they're raising him completely sh- sheltered because they keep having to tell him he can't go to he he's not if he goes into the outside. They 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 stress to him as he grows and as he's as he's we watch him uh, kind of come of age, right? Um, they keep like having to sort of let him, you know, or remind him and teach him about like that the world outside of the of their home that he's you know being raised in, which is like you know what the the world's not ready for you. Like if you go out there, you know, they will they will kill you more or less. You know, they will treat you like a monster, like you're a giant, and like. Um, there's even a moment, and I may be jumping ahead a little bit, uh, there's even a moment where he, they, they show him this notebook with all of these cutouts of these newspaper articles through, and it's different newspaper articles all of, from all over the world where it shows, like, uh, you know, giants, you know, being killed, basically, you know, at di- in different times, you know, like, uh, 
giant man discovered, giant man, you know, hung from a tree, giant man, you know, just really like graphic sort of like this with the intent to scare Cootie and be like, no, listen, like humans are cruel. They don't understand you. And when you're out in the world, you know, it doesn't matter what you think you are. It doesn't matter. Like it's about like what they think of you, which again is, you know, that's a pretty on the nose, uh, intentional kind of, uh, metaphor, you know, for what it is to be a black man, you know, in, 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 in America, but in the world in general, but specifically in America, like, and that's intentional by the, by the creator Boots, you know, I think Boots wrote and directed the first two episodes. I don't know if he's written here. I hope, I hope Boots has written and directed all seven of these episodes. Again, they're not really long, you know, uh, but yeah, so, that's the series explores sort of like what it's like for a young man, like a black man to, to be, uh, perceived as a monster. Um, even though he's just, you know, he feels that like he should be able to go out into the world and he wants to be able to go out into the world and experience life and have fun and have friends and all of that shit and not be sort of looked at or viewed as some sort of, you know, uh, dangerous, you know, creature that, you know, needs to be, you know, either in, behind a cage or uh, put to put down like a fucking, you know, like a rabbit animal. Um, you know, again, very, you know, heavy handed in its messaging, probably. But there's so much more to it than that. And it's so it does so many, so many cool things. But I will say, you know, at a certain point, um, Cootie has become, I don't know, pretty much a, a man, you know, maybe he's not old, quite old enough to drink, but he's around that age and he can no longer fit in the house. He, I think he like breaks a doorway trying to get through. So, uh, in a very cool kind of like, uh, montage sequence, they show, uh, his, his parents, uh, build, uh, his, him, a, a giant house out of like makeshift, you know, uh, materials like in the and they're like I guess in their backyard and they build this giant essentially it's a clubhouse for him specifically you know for him with the giant like with the bed and it has a larger roof but then they also put like this canopy net above it so that people can't see from you know from above which again the way they the way the way the way it's shot and the way they do it it's like sped up montage kind of cool thing it has that it has this kind of again this whole show has if you've seen Sorry to Bother You, then you kind of already know sort of like this this aesthetic because Boots, Boots Riley had did it in in that, um, and he kind of he he continues it in 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 the, in the in the series you know so so in this series specifically, uh, so it, it has a lot of that again that that magical realist sort of and it got it has that handmade quality uh, that like people like to ascribe to like Wes Anderson movies which I guess Wes Anderson has a new movie that came out too, um, and I'm never going to watch it because I just don't like Wes Anderson. So anyways, uh, moving on. I mean, I get, I get it for those who, who like Wes Anderson, you know, more power to you. I'm not criticizing you. I'm just saying it's not for me. Um, and that's fine. And if it is for you, I get it. Like I get it, but I just, I, I know that it's, it's just not me. Uh, but yeah, uh, Boots does, for me, I was like, I'll just go watch something that Boots Riley made if I want to see that sort of handmade aesthetic because I like the way he does it. Uh, but it, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely present here. Um, but, uh, the neighbor, there's a neighbor that lives next door whose house is stacked up. What looks like it's stacked up on like, I don't know, hundreds of pallets, like wooden pallets. I don't know, it's in the air, like on like the way the Jetsons' houses would be in the air, but it's some like kind of like very, you know, working class style clapboard house that's just suspended in the air super high. Um, again, no explanation why or how this is uh, okay or legal. Well, there's no like, you know, building permits that the city's not fucking with this this next door neighbor, but it's it's up high and this neighbor could see down over uh, but he would only see the canopy. Uh, but again, when Cootie's in the backyard one day fucking around, I think he's like working out, you know, he's like lifting cars to like, you know, basically lift weights. He's just using the, the stuff that he has 
in this backyard area where his parents have built him a a house and he falls and i think one of the he, he knocks free like or unravel one of the like ropes to this canopy covering over the basically the entire backyard area where his you know giant house has been built his giant clubhouse uh it comes off and literally the neighbor at that point i guess can see down and see him and then there's a giant so so apparently you know once this happens uh cootie's in the backyard and then he can hear a voice calling through this giant bush that hides the backyard and from the from the rest of the neighborhood and he, you know, it's the neighbor guy. And he says, I, I see you back there. I, I saw you. Like, I know about you. And I think he, like, offers him some food, you know. And this is the first time that, like, Cootie's interacting with someone that's not his mother and father. You know, someone from the outside world, outside his home. You know, outside the safety of the sheltered life that he's been, you know, raised in. And the, again, so Cootie's, Cootie's curiosity continues to get, you know, peaked by, you know, people that are beyond, as anyone's would, right, as anyone's would, and it's just a very cool, uh, it's just a very, let me, let me just say this, okay, before I say it's a very cool thing, this is the moment where I was kind of on the fence with this show, because I've seen sort of coming of age kind of stories, right, and I'm like, oh man, like, you know, I was kind of like, this is cool, I do appreciate the forced perspective photography, and all of this kind of like, you know, novel kind of almost, you know, uh, quirky kind of, you know, shit that I'm seeing. Um, and I was kind of like, yeah, you know, but once Cootie gets out of the house, right, for real, once Cootie decides to stop listening to his father, you know, Mike Epps, because Cootie sees a commercial uh, for a big, it's called a Bing Bang Burger. It's a burger franchise. It's a you know, a, a fictional burger franchise that exists in Oakland that, you know, for the show. Um, and he asked his father about a Big Bang uh, burger. And then uh, Mike Epps is like, no, this stuff is nasty. This stuff is, this, it's poison. You would, would never, I would never eat that and you would never eat that, right? Um, but then when they build his house and they show it to him, he's, not, he's excited. And then his parents also give him a bag that's a, it's a big bang burger bag and he thinks oh i got a big a bing bang burger he opens it up and he finds that it sees that the, it's a burger that they made but it's on like house it's on like a sandwich bread so it's like oh you this isn't a real bing bang burger he's like no you think i would give you that poison but it's good anyways eat it so he eats the burger or whatever um but there's this whole thing about bing bang burger that's recurring in the first two episodes because mike epps is like uh so adamant that you know cootie shouldn't eat that and he won't allow him to eat it and he doesn't eat it but he hears from the neighbor guy when he's talking offering him food through the fence because i think he's like he has cooked some stuff you know um some some i forget what it was i was like some sort of it was because i think the neighbor's like latino and i think he was cooking some mexican food and he gives cootie some mexican food but he mentions that him him and his dad always used to eat bing bang burgers all the time and then cootie realizes oh his dad like isn't really telling him the truth about like they're lying to him about the outside world. If he what if he's lying about the Bing Bang Burger, what else is he lying about? So at this point, you know, um, this all propels Pootie to do what he ultimately was going to do, which is you know go out and see the world for himself. And he basically dresses in a giant ghillie suit at night. So he looks like a walking. He looks like Swamp Thing if he was thirteen feet tall, more or less. And he spies some young black kids, three black kids at a park. Um, and one of them goes to pee, um, and he thinks that he's going to pee on a bush, but it's actually Cootie um, in a giant ghillie suit, more or less. And every time he goes to try and pee, the Cootie, a.k.a. the bush, backs away until ultimately he runs off. And the, and the kid's like, yo, what the fuck? Like, and then it becomes this whole thing of the, the thwomp thing that, around the neighborhood, like, and people are kind of like making fun of the kid. Uh, that like, oh, he saw what he saw isn't real, but like people are talking about it because other people are claiming to see it and all this other shit. And, like there's been rumblings about a giant in the hood. You know what I'm saying? There's a giant, there's a giant in the hood. And I think there's even, they even make t-shirts with like, again, it looks like it says the thwomp thing. Um, and again, like I said, in the background of this, we're still getting like, uh, like we're seeing on Cootie watching things on TV 
you know, um, about the hero played by Walton Goggins and how he was, he's this former, I don't know, I think they think, I think he's like a kind of like Elon Musk, like tech type guy, but like ultimately he just, or he, he drew a comic or something like that. Like basically he has that sort of persona, but he made this comic called the hero. And then eventually this guy amassed enough, a, a giant fortune and he decided and he became like a public figure and a persona based off the popularity of this. And ultimately he decided to actually be that in real life because he had the, the money to do so. And he's basically flying around Oakland, you know, arresting people, stopping people. He's basically an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and we uh, we understand immediately by this first episode that like uh, Cootie and the hero are destined to sort of lock horns at some point, you know, because Co- like because Cootie uh, once he again like after that first incident where the the kids uh, the one kid is basically sees Cootie but doesn't actually see him because he's completely covered, but he does see oh this giant ass fucking you know, man dressed up in a, as a fucking bush ran away from me. Um, at this point they're, they're, they're by their, they're outside. It's the daytime. They're, they're by the side of the, the, his home talking, laughing, joking. Again, he's on the other side of this giant hedge that they've put up, you know, this, this hedge so that people can't see onto the property. He hears them. He laughs because he has like a setup. His father and mother have given him like a periscope. So he has periscopes, one inside of his his actual like giant clubhouse and then one that's like in the sort of hedges for him to look out and see people. Because um, they did do that much. They're like, hey, you can't go at, you can't go into the world, but you can like at least look out there if you're curious. Uh, but not, not thinking like, oh, well, that's only going to make him even more... Uh, more willing to want to go out and seek out, you know, things beyond the home and interact with actual people, um, kids his age, which these these kids are. But, yeah, they're joking, and they hear him, and then they, they look, and they're like, we see you back there, because you can kind of see him moving through the hedges. It's unclear. So they're kind of startled, but, but the friend is like, I told y'all. Like, I told you, look. Like, you can see. Like, this dude is not a normal-sized human. And then it's, they offer him a blunt. And his hand reaches through. I think they, they think that's what they offer him the blood. And you see this giant hand, and of course they're all freaked out. But the kid is, the kid is like super validated. Like I told y'all, like this is, he was really a giant. And then he brings them into his giant clubhouse, and that's when you meet his his core group of friends, um, two guys and a girl. Uh, and I really love the casting, by the way, of these of these kids, and just the casting overall in general. Like I said, Boots Riley is really good. Um, about picking certain actors for certain roles. And I do feel like um, this is a role where it feels like, these feels like people from Oakland, young people from Oakland, um, contemporary too, contemporary young people from Oakland. Um, And I just love the dynamic between Cootie and the three, you know, his three friends. And Cootie's so like, he's he's sheltered, so he doesn't know about anything about anything. So like they're teaching him shit. And eventually they go out, uh, and again, his parents don't know this until until he goes out with them um, joyriding in their friend's car and he's sitting in this very cool like I said again this forced perspective image it's like him sitting in this car in the back it's a it's a convertible and he's like basically has to put, put his feet in the back seat and sit up basically on the trunk more or less uh, and he's riding around and of course everyone who sees him is like they can't believe it but one of the first things that he does is stop at Bing Bang Burger and again, he's inside Bing Bang Burger and everyone's looking at him and he's like hunched over just so he can make it through the door and stand like because he's so tall. He can't completely stand upright in the line as he's waiting uh, to get his Bing Bang Burger. And while he's waiting and everyone's looking like, what the fuck? You know, again, great. It's just great how they do this. Like the, the sort of like people's sort of reactions to him are hilarious because they're just like they don't really know how to interact or react to a 13 foot tall black dude, you know, but they're just like, OK whatever so he gets into the front of the line and we see a girl uh, making bing bang burgers and there's a and but she's doing it really fast and the way that they show her doing it fast is this again sort of this really handmade kind of effect where we see her like moving and then across the kitchen area back and forth and around and, and it looks like she has 
uh, I don't know. It's like a sh- it's like a shadow trail, but it's like it looks like cardboard or construction paper cutouts of a person sort of moving in a ghost trail. I don't know if I'm describing that right. You just have to see the effect. The effect is pretty cool. Um, and every time we see Flora working, they show it, at least in the first two episodes, they show her moving at this fast speed uh, and this kind of like really cool kind of like low-fi low uh, special effect. Uh, but Flora in, is basically becomes the love interest of Cootie. And Cootie, order, Cootie orders like seven Bing Bang Burgers and she's already a fan of him because she has a twomp, a twomp, uh, what is it, twomps, a twomp thing or twomp monster, <laughs> a twomp monster t-shirt. She has a twomp monster t-shirt on um, that she actually shows him because, again, his, his name has been getting around the hood. But once he's out outside and in, in like in, in the open with his friends, he, there become more videos and he becomes a viral, even more viral because now they're like everyone is seeing this giant in front of him. So his friends take him out. They joyride. Do all kinds of shit together. They go to the club, which is a very funny scene of him dancing in the club and interacting with chicks. And his friends trying to show him how to pull chicks. And the whole time, though, back to the Bing Bang Burger scene, right? Um, he orders the seven Bing Bang Burgers. He gives them to his friends outside. Once he gets back out, and he eats, he eats, he eats a couple, but they're nasty, and he spits them all out. So the whole time, he been he has been wanting and craving this Bing Bang Burger. You know, he, like, spits the shit out. Like, it's, it's nasty and shit. Um, so, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's it, again, it's, 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 a, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty funny little moment, you know, um, of him fucking spitting just chunks of fucking chewed up, partially chewed up hamburger back, back out. Um, but he's going to, we, we discover that he's going to continue to return to buy Bing Bang Burgers because it's so he could see Flora. So his whole reason, even though he doesn't like, you know, he, he doesn't like Bing Bang Burger um, as much as he thought he would. He's going to continue to go back and buy him just so he can talk to Flora. Uh, but, yes. And, and then uh, I think there's a scene where after he's leaving the club with his friends, uh, he gets he gets jumped. Um, and, again, the way they film this is like, you know, it's like five guys trying to, like, climb up on top of this giant. And he, they're attacking him and hitting him, but it's not really hurting him because he's, he's just, like, really big. And that, that people are recording it with their phone. And he ends up, like, slapping all of them, like, with one backhand, like, knocking them all down. And it's a really funny scene. It's really comedic. But people have recorded it, and, of course, it goes viral. And, of course, once it goes viral, not only are his parents seeing it on TV, um, but also the hero is watching it. And I think as the hero is watching it, he's, like, assess the... I think he's, like, he has, like, a... I don't know if it's, like, a... a an AI or an Alexa of some kind. The voice sounds like Bill Cosby for some reason, but he's like, he's like, assess the threat level. And, and then the voice says, assessing threat level of, of the twat monster or whatever. Cause he's, cause now that he's like, okay, who is this guy? You know, he's already a fucking, I'm the vigilante of, of Oakland. I'm going to be fucking, I'm going to have to watch him, you know? Uh, but his parents also have seen it and they're kind of like, you know, he's not ready, you know, like that's, that's, that's basically like, you know, like they, he, this is too early. What are we gonna do? He's not ready now that the world. Now that he's been exposed to the world, you know, shit. Like now they're they're freaking out, and of course they confront Cootie, but Cootie's not trying to hear it. He's like, you know, like y'all, you told you lied about Bing Bang Burger. You you lied to me. I have friends. People aren't like what you said. People like me. I'm not. You know this and that. You know. And again, he 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 he's basically he has a legitimate. There's legitimate reasons for like not wanting to, you know. Stay hidden. But I think Mike Epps is even telling him, uh, like, you know, listen, like, if you just go back in the house, people will forget about it. Like, just just stay back. And at this point, we know, like, Cootie, there's no way Cootie's going back. He's not going back in his house. He's not going back to hide. He has friends now, and and it's only gonna it's only gonna be him more. And I think it's I think Mike Epps' character is named like Matthias, I believe, or Mat- Matisse, Matisse, or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the gist of the first episode. You know, he basically gets out, you know, into the world exposed. Um, now that people know him and then the second episode uh is uh i think again he keeps going to bing bang burger just just to talk to flora uh but he also like cootie gets an agent um i think the agent's name is uh sam spiegel in the second episode like because now that he's been exposed people are starting to want interest and immediately sam spiegel's like well I can get you, you, you know, you need money. Cause again, he has to like pay for big bang burgers to talk to Flora, but he doesn't have any cash. 
So, you know, uh, the, the, insert the fucking, the agent guy who's like, there's no reason for you not to have, you should have money. And he ends up actually paying for like, uh, I think it's not even, they're at Bing Bang Burger. They're at a convenience store, him and him and his three friends, obviously. And like, they're buying like forties and all kind of shit, but he doesn't have the money. It ends up being like $37, but that's when the agent walks in and, and pays for all the stuff and wants to represent, represent Cootie. And he tries to get him into, uh, you know, professional sports, obviously. But immediately he just, like, he gets a, like, I think, like, a scene or two later, you know, he gets contacted by his agent, Sam, and he tells him, like, yeah, you've been banned from every, they banned you. Like, you're banned from all professional sports. You can't, they don't want this 13-foot giant guy. It's not fair. (laughs) So what he does end up doing, uh, the agent gets him a modeling job at the mall. Uh, and the modeling job is for, I think it's a, a clothing brand of some kind called Asphalt Royalty. Some hype beast shit, you know, some culture vulture kind of shit. Again, Booch Riley's doing this intentionally. He knows what he's doing. Um, so, yeah, so he's got this funny, like, job, like he's, like, posing in these cl- these clothes. So now he's got a little bit of money in his pocket, some, some, some clothes to wear and shit. Uh, he's able to see floor and buy Bing Bang Burgers, you know, um again, like, just a funny episode, I think even Elijah Wood makes a cameo in the second episode, uh, which is funny, because, you know, Elijah Wood, uh, you know, being a cameo in this show, where they're doing forced perspective, uh, which is what he did in Lord of the Rings, you know, as Frodo and shit, Uh, and, and again, like, the second episode, I liked even more, because, because I felt like the world is even, is, the, the world has already been set up so well in the first episode so now by the time it's episode two now shit is just unfolding in front of us uh the story is unfolding the world is get is the, the 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 scope of the world is expanding um all of these all of these characters are starting to sort of uh become more uh three-dimensional like the friends the his his friend group uh like each, each of them is their their personalities you know they already were like i said they were well cast but like we're getting to see uh, more who, who each of his individual friends are. Um, and again, this is only two episodes in, I I mean, I've got, um, five more episodes to go, but you know, his friends, I think Felix, uh, Jones, which is, which is the girl and scat, I think, I think that's the other kid's name, right? Scat. I, I could be wrong about that, but I believe that's his name. Um, they're just well cast. You know, they're, again, I keep saying the same shit over and over again. Hey, you know, that's what I do. You know, everyone that listens to this podcast already knows. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I was really kind of, uh, I was just in. Like, again, the, the, and the episode ends, again, with a, with just, uh, just like, just like the end of the first episode, episode two, it, 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 by the time it was over, you know, um, I was just like, oh, oh, what's next? But it does end, like, with, uh, and I'm trying to remember the way they the way they ended episode one, right, was after, you know, they responded to sort of the viral video and we see the hero watching the viral video, uh, his parents watching the viral video. Um, they have a, Mike Epps, in, you know, and his wife, uh, they have a conversation about, you know, what are we going to do? Um, he's not prepared. Mike Epps says that we are, though. And then they're like, he opens up this secret compartment in the wall of their home and reveals that they have these, like, I don't know, halo guns? Fucking uh, guns that look like they're from fucking uh, a first-person shooter game. Like, (laughs) you know, Fortnite guns, basically. They have these space-age Fortnite guns that they have behind the wall, um, which is like implying like, okay, there's going to be some, it's going to turn into a comic book for real. Like we, like you said, we have this character called the hero who is actually the villain. Again, that's intentional. Shout out to Boots Riley. Um, and, and we know like, okay, some shit's about to go down. And again, set this, the second episode ends with a similar kind of like, oh shit, like moment, um, which really has us like wondering like, okay, well, where, where, where are things headed with the show? Um, and it's just like, that being said, you know, not to, not to just focus too much on like what, uh, I mean, I mean, let me, let me see how many, I want to, I want to be sure since I'm sitting inside, let me, and I have this laptop is right here. I want to be sure that there's seven episodes. 
because, yeah, let's see. I can really pull it up. I'm saying there's seven episodes, and I'm pretty confident that there's seven episodes. Let's see. So the first two episodes, You a Big Motherfuckers, episode one, and The Universe and My Spirit is episode two, okay? Yeah, then you have episode three, Paco Rabana, episode four, Balance Beam, episode five, Brillo if possible, episode six, It Requires You Trust on My Part, and episode seven, Metaphor for What? Okay, cool. So it's definitely seven episodes, right? Um, and if, and if, if it, by any indication of the first two episodes... Um, it's safe to assume that like they're going to be going a similar route with the remaining five uh, because a lot of things get set up. And like I said, the episodes ending on these little sort of mini cliffhangers, you know, um, which is a technique that they do with, with television, right? You know, I don't like television, but I do, I, the moment, the certain aspects of television I do appreciate. And, and one thing about it is like one of the, uh, kind of basic TV 101 thing is to end end a show specifically a serialized show on a on a note of like uh what wanting to wanting the audience or leaving the audience wanting uh that's that's better leaving the audience wanting uh to know what happens next that is a kind of way that TV is constructed and that is one thing that I'm always like all right cool like if you as a as a TV show like you that's the one thing you should do like if you're not gonna do anything else be able to do that, but the episode two kind of ends in a similar fashion as the first one with the parents, they're at a bar and it's this funny scene where Mike Epps we we reveal that Mike Epps has a a history of being some sort of like uh, musician because he's wearing a ridiculous suit and it's the same ridiculous suit that's a video on TV. And someone recognizes him at the bar, like, and it's again, it's really ridiculous. It's really funny. But the parents are having this discussion um, about what to do, and the mom opens her purse up, and there's like a countdown of some kind of device. It looks like the countdown in the movie The Predator, like when the predator hits the bomb device on its arm, and it starts to count down in these weird sort of alien numer what we assume to be numerical glyphs or. I don't know. It's the same kind. She opens the purse up to imply like we have this ticking time bomb of a weapon. So episodes one and two have a similar ending. When, you know what I mean? In that regard. Um, again, pointing all signs pointing towards some sort of on- oncoming battle uh, that the parents are going to have to help Cootie fight. And obviously the fight will be with the with, with society, the world at large, potentially the cops, but definitely with uh, Walton Goggins, the hero character. Uh yeah, and and I feel like that's a if that if that doesn't sell you on on checking out these first two episodes, then you know I just I guess I'm just a shitty salesman. <laughs> uh, I never liked being in sales when I used to work stupid jobs. So uh, and I don't really like pitching. Um, but yeah, I do feel like as to to speak to a little bit of uh, you know because I always like to tie this back to you know writing and creating and making movies and writing you know. Just art shit, right? Uh, This is the type of stuff that I watch that gives me sort of, you know, um, I don't know. Hope isn't the right word, you know, because I'm always going to be, I'm going to continue to do this. But it just gives me a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling uh, as a creator. Or it's inspiring because it's like, oh, yeah, like you can still get shit done at a certain level um, that's outside the bounds of... uh, what's being done typically, you know, um, um, the shit, the, the, the same old boring shit. Uh, but again, that's why it's important that you sort of identify people, um, or artists whose work, uh, is of a, I don't know, more transgressive nature or transgressive, not probably even, even the, the most, I mean, Boots Riley is subversive. I don't want to say transgressive. I don't think transgressive is right, but subversive. He's definitely subversive. Uh, but if you can find like a subversive artist, that that like, those are the people to look out for. You know what I mean? Like, and try to because if you, if you just find them and just see and follow the stuff that they're doing, you're probably gonna you know you're gonna come across more. You know, it, it's very simple. It's a very simple concept. I'm acting like this is complex. It's like you find somebody making subversive shit. Oh, they made one subversive thing. They're probably the next thing they'll make. It probably be that way, right? Right. Boom. And if that's the thing, if that's those type of people are going to push you and inspire you as well. Like I was like, oh, you're out here doing it too. 
You know, so when I come across some shit like this, I'm like, oh, Boots is out here doing this shit too. You know, I'm not alone, even though we're, we don't know each other and I don't, you know, whatever. But, you know, you get what I'm saying. Hopefully you get the sentiment, even if that kind of sounded kind of goofy and corny. But, you know, um, but fuck you. I'm in Houston, bro. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. But I just definitely I think that's a good that's a good place to 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 end the episode. Um, you know, um, I got to get back to um, I think I'm either going to eat Whataburger I probably won't eat Whataburger. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Maybe Trill Burger. Trill Burger. I think. I think I'm gonna do that because like Bun Bunby has a new burger place up here, and they actually have like uh, veggie burgers. I'm trying to be healthy, y'all. I love a fucking good burger, but like, yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, um, go. You know, go watch. Uh, I am a Virgo, episodes one and two, all the way to seven. Um, I'm definitely gonna watch all the way to seven. Even though I only talked about the first two episodes, uh, I might even do another. I might have a guest come back on and talk about the series because I, I, you know, again, like I know I've been uh, Mr. Solo episode in this new season. Um, I promise you guys, I will be back soon with a guest. Um, I have people who've already approached me, and I've already approached some other people about coming on as a guest. But again, I feel like it's very important for me to set the tone of making MAS a fifty-fifty at the very least, um, solo, I don't, our solo, a 50-50 ratio of solo episodes to guest episodes, because I don't want this to primarily be a guest podcast, I, I don't want it to be primarily a anything podcast other than it's just MAS, if that makes sense, <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm gonna go in and, and, uh, enjoy the rest of my time in Houston, and try to be, uh, productive, right, um, hang out with my, my lovely, uh, my lovely girlfriend. And, uh, as always, uh, I do not know how to end episodes. So I will end it right here with some Houston music. Peace. If I spill Drake on my clothes, I can do that. It don't matter cause I buy me some more. I can do that. I'ma spend about 50 in the mile. I can do that. I'ma buy me a Bentley in the ball. I can do that. I'ma stop meat niggas from rap. I can do that. I'ma rock all my teeth in flat. I can do that. I'ma show my Rolex and tattoos. I can do that. I sip Drake and eat a lot of junk food. I can do that. I'm 18 and I got a Bentley truck.
every day. I ride with thugs. I can do that. Keep rapping so I can make more dough. I can do that. Watch out, cause I might take your hoe. I can do that. Sitting sideways, my blades go chop. I can do that. Sell a hundred thousand the first day I drop. I can do that. I can buy me a house at the beach. I can do that. I get all my shoes from active at the leaf. I can do that. My ring look like a cool cup. My jack stretched like a school bus. I can do that every day. I buy new stuff. I can do that until I die. I'ma stay screwed up. I can stay screwed up. So if you see it, you want it. What buy it? What own it? What drive it? Own it.